ओम ज्ञान Brahma, then Shiva, then Lakshmi, then Balaram, and even myself. I love you more than me. So Uddhava is very dear to the Lord. And therefore he advised him that for various reasons, he told him, you go to Badarikashra. Get out of here. There's going to be some disturbance here. You won't like to see this. This, this will not, this disappearance pastimes of the Lord, they won't be very pleasing to you. So, Natatame Priyatama. That's how I begin. Natatame Priyatama. And now I can't remember the next line. <laughs> so, uh, other reasons he told Uddhava to go to Badrikashram. Generally, whatever the Lord does, he's very expert. So, he gets several things done in one action. He's the most expert manager. So, by sending Uddhava to Badrikashram, he also gave his association to the sages at Badarikashram because Krishna himself, due to his busy schedule, it's not only nowadays that people have busy schedules, but Krishna, even though he was here for 125 years, he had a very busy schedule, so he wasn't able to, of course when we say wasn't able to, but it means that his Leela, Yogi, yesterday we were talking about his Antaranga Shakti, his internal potency arranged, that uh, for various reasons, even though he was able to go to so many places, uh, right on this planet, in this Bharat Bhumi, this, he was able to visit so many places. Of course, he was stationed in Dwaraka, born in Mathura, went to Vrindavan, then went to Dwaraka, then he was regularly going up and down to the uh, Hastinapur and the Indra, all Indraprastha and all the places in between, and then he also visited Kundina in present-day Vidharva, Maharashtra. Then he also went to Kashi Dham and Mithila. Uh, he also went to Navadip in the course of performing his pastimes on this planet. And then even beyond, he went, he went to the place of Varuna. He went to the heavenly planets. He went even beyond the universe to the place of Mahavishnu through all the coverings of the universe. So he was very busy. And somehow or other he didn't get enough time to go to Badrikashram because, of course, he went to Mahavishnu Loka. So he went with his chariots, which the, the horses, they, they could cross over the universe. But while he, was on this, while he was on this plane, he generally exhibited pastimes in a somewhat human-like manner. So to go to Badrikashram, nowadays you can get a car up from Haridwar, it takes about a day. Or if you're the 
prime minister or some big shot, you can go by helicopter from Haridwar. But otherwise to walk in those days would take a long time. There was no proper road. The only proper road only came recently. So there are trails which the sadhus would walk by. So Krishna, for one reason or another, he didn't go to Badrikashram. It would have taken a long time. And <clears throat> anyway, he's already there. He resides there as Badrinath, Nara Narayan Murti. So he resides there. And anyway, somehow he didn't manage to go there. So he sent Uddhava instead. And Uddhava is in many ways as good as Krishna. Natata me priyatama atma yoniya shankara. That's the verse. So, uh, he already, he's known as a messenger of Krishna. He's a, he's the, the intimate associate of Krishna, like his prime minister, trusted man. He always gives him advice. And he, if there's an important message to be taken, then Uddhava's the man. Just like there was an important message to be taken to the gopis, so Uddhava took it. And even he looks like Krishna. When Uddhava first entered Vrindavan, the Rajvasis thought, Krishna's come. And they said, oh, not exactly, almost. But must be very dear to Krishna. Otherwise, how could he be so beautiful and with nice features? So, Uddhava went as a messenger of Krishna, on the order of Krishna, to speak the message that the Lord had wanted to speak to his great devotees and sages, but somehow or other, he didn't get the time to do so. So, before sending Uddhava, he instructed him in great detail in what is now known in the Uddhava Gita, which comes in the 11th canto of Bhagavatam, just like Krishna spoke Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna. And basically the message of Uddhava Gita is the same that, he's, that the Lord spoke. The, the Lord, he spoke Bhagavad Gita, and then this Uddhava Gita, and another set of instructions he spoke. There's another one also called Anugita, which is again spoken to Arjuna. When Arjuna at one point came to Krishna after the battlefield and said, after the battle and said, well, I remember you instructed me, but you know, afterwards there was a fight and I forgot everything. So could you tell me again? And then Krishna again told him, and it's a little bit different. I mean, the, the, the word, it's not exactly the same verses, but more or less the message is the same. So Krishna spoke the same thing to uh, Uddhava. This is basically the same message, although it's much more, it's more detailed than Bhagavad Gita. And it, it, it goes over various discursive subjects. Of course, because Krishna was speaking to Arjuna in such a, a uh, urgent situation. So Krishna spoke to him the, the essence of everything. Uh, the essence of spiritual knowledge succinctly. So, because of that atmosphere and Arjuna's grief and the whole situation contributed to Hare Krishna. To Krishna's speaking the essence of all the Upanishads in Bhagavad Gita. Uh, but when he spoke to Uddha, then he spoke in more details about different things, about yogis and the yogic siddhis and the path of jnana yoga so many different points he spoke to Uddhava. But basically, he spoke the same message to Uddhava as he spoke to Arjuna. And the, the conclusion is that 
well, you should just surrender to me and be my devotee, and it's basically the same conclusion as there. Although he spoke to Uddhav and Uddhav, it was, you can imagine it's a more leisurely situation. There's not the, the fight, there's no fight about to take place. It's in Dwaraka where then Uddhav has been living with Krishna for so many years and Krishna spoke, after so many years he spoke to Uddhava, the essence of all knowledge. Uddhava is already known as a very learned person, being the disciple of Prihaspati. So, if he's a disciple of Prihaspati, he's expected to be a very learned person, because Prihaspati is very learned. He's the guru of the demigods. So, generally that's understood. If someone, if someone introduces, I am the disciple of such and such a guru, it's expected that, especially if the guru is very learned or very renounced or whatever it may be, it's expected or hoped that the disciple will be of the same caliber. Because traditionally gurus, they used to teach their disciples. They used to sit down and they go on for days and days and years instructing. That still goes on in Madhva Sampradaya. That the guru, he literally sits and instructs point after, day after day, year after year, they're instructing their disciples. So if one is a disciple of a, of a famous or well-known learned guru, then it's expected that he'll also be very learned. So it was expected that Uddhava was very learned, but nevertheless, uh, despite being instructed by Brihaspati and therefore learned in so many subject matters, which is no doubt one of the reasons he was appointed by Krishna as his chief advisor, because he was very learned in Shastra, not only Shastra, but practical application of Shastra. Because Bihaspati, he's also guru to the demigods, means he's instructing them in so many practical things. The, the, the devatas, they're not simply uh, sitting around like, like uh, Brahmins, just studying. But they're active in life. They have to oversee the whole universe and they have to ward off threats from the, from the demons. And they have their own politics among each other and so many things are going on. So Uddhava was uh, expected to be a very practical advisor also. He was appointed by Krishna as his advisor. But even though Krishna took knowledge, from, superficially took knowledge and advice from Uddhava, at one point Uddhava, understanding Krishna to be the uh, source of all knowledge and the reservoir of all knowledge and the object of all knowledge, Vedasya Sarvera Vedya. Uddhava instructed Krishna for the matter of spiritual realization, spiritual knowledge. So Krishna instructed Uddhava and after giving him instruction, that we can say the theoretical instruction, which is now known as Uddhava Gita. He gave him the, the philosophical knowledge. At the end of giving, giving him all this philosophical knowledge, he gave him some practical direction what he should do in his life. So this is a very important point to note. And just like Krishna, after speaking to Arjuna, he gave him some practical instruction. The practical application of this knowledge, Arjuna, is that you pick up your bow and you fight. This is the practical application. I've told you should surrender to me, and the practical application of that should be that you should fight, because I want you to fight. Now, in the case of Uddhava, he gave him also some practical knowledge, how he could apply the philosophical knowledge, how Uddhava could apply the practical philosophical knowledge that he had acquired from Krishna. And Krishna told him, 
you go to Badrik Ashram and you, you convey this knowledge which you have heard from me to the rishis living there. Now, this is very interesting to note that Arjuna, before hearing instruction from Krishna, thought that now I shall become very spiritual. Here I am on this battlefield and it's going to be a fraternal war. They're all going to fight and it's just over who is going to be the big boss, who is going to be the king of the earth. It seems to me just totally mundane and uh, it's just one person's personal motivation against another. It's not proper to fight like this. I've had enough. I quit. I'm going to become a sannyasi. I'm going to renounce everything. I'm going to become really spiritual. I'm not going to fight, he told. Nayotsya iti, Govinda. He told, Govinda, I'm not going to fight. So, Krishna instructed him all this philosophy, and Arjuna is listening to all this philosophy, that you're not the body, you're, you're spirit soul, there is no actual death for the soul, everything in this material world is manifested by Krishna through the three modes of material nature, and Arjuna is listening, yes, and what is all this about? And then the conclusion is, Krishna told Arjuna that actually, I want you to fight. And Arjuna agreed. Okay. Okay, I understood. Now I got it right. I was wrong, I was in illusion. That I was in illusion. I was thinking this fighting was simply something mundane. But now you have cleared all the illusion away. Um, my doubts have gone. And now I'm fixed in my determination. And I will follow your instruction, which is to fight. So Arjun was ready to renounce everything, but Krishna told him, I want you to, you fight for me. Now we see here, Uddhava, he's heard the Uddhava Gita. He heard from Krishna, Krishna's instructions. And after hearing so many instructions, even though Uddhava, there's no, we don't find anything stated that he was thinking of renouncing the world or any such thing. But Krishna sent him to Badrakashram, which... Going to Badrik Ashram more or less means taking sannyas. If, in, of course, nowadays you can get a tour, you can go up in a, you can go up and come down and people do it in their summer holidays. They have two weeks off and they go to Badrik Ashram and maybe they go also to, you know, Gangotri, Yamunotri, Kedanath, like this, Chardam Yantra. But in those days, going to Badrik Ashram means you take a long time, it's very dangerous, because there's no proper road, and even now you can fall off the side, what to speak of in those days. There's no proper road, and uh, the, you might fall off the edge, or the stones might fall on top of you, and there are bears, and tigers, and wild boars, and lions, and maybe there's some dacoits also. Who knows? So it's a very dangerous undertaking. And, practically speaking, Grihastas couldn't do it, because they had to look after their families, and they had to come back to look after the harvest, or look whatever their job was, and, it would take so much time and, and if you go to, going to Badrik Ashram means probably you're not going to come back anyway because it's, uh, it's so dangerous you might not even get there. And even if you do get there, it's such a job to come back then most of they might just stay there or they might get, by the time they reach there it's already snowing and uh, you can't come back anyway. You're stuck for the winter. So if someone says I'm going to Badrik Ashram, that more or less means 
They're taking sannyas. They're leaving everything. You won't see them here again. Okay, it's, it's quite an instruction. Yoda Bhadragasha. I mean, you know, friends, family, home, everything. You can't bring it all with you. Nowadays they go in their cars and it's full up. The, the roof rack with all, they have their, their huge cassette recorder and they bring their TV. Have you seen that? Someone's telling me they're driving up to Badrik Ashram and they found stopped on the curb in the road. That one whole family had got out and they had, the, they had a generator and the TV and everything. They stopped to have their, their lunch. So they were watching the TV, some video, right on the road up to Badrik Ashram. Don't miss any opportunity. Enjoy. The purpose of life is to enjoy. So, uh, those days, going to you, how much can you carry anyway? It's, it's difficult enough to walk up. So you're, you're just going to carry the bare minimum. That's all. Food, well, whatever the Lord sends. You might get food, you might eat some days, and other days you might not. Because there, nowadays, of course, there are shops on the way up and this and that, but those days, nothing. There would be some little rest houses for pilgrims and villagers. They'd, they'd give something. Even now, if you go Brajmandal Parikama, not in a group, but if you go alone, the Brajbasis, they'll give some chapati, something like this. So that culture was there. But more or less, anyway, Krishna was telling Uddhava to renounce. He didn't say, I want to renounce, but Krishna told him, go to Bhadrakashram. So Arjuna, he wanted to renounce, and... Krishna told him, forget it, fight, do your duty, be a kshatriya, don't leave the battlefield. And Uddhav, he was living at home with his friends and his family and everything, and Krishna told him, renounce, go to Bhadrakasya. So Krishna, he spoke more or less the same knowledge to Uddhava as he spoke to Krishna. But the conclusion was apparently different. The conclusion to Arjuna was, don't renounce your duty. Do what you do what you have to do with your Vanashram duty. You have to do this. And to Uddhava, he told him, now you renounce, you leave, you go. So it appears to be just the opposite instruction. So what are we to understand from this? In one case, Krishna told Arjuna to renounce, in another case, after speaking. The same knowledge in a little bit different way to Uddhava, he told him, now you renounce. So what are we to understand from this? If, if Arjuna had been there, he might be bewildered. So why are you telling him this? You, I wanted to renounce and you, you didn't allow me to or you didn't want me to. And now Uddhava, he never even spoke anything about it and you're telling him to renounce. And you spoke this whole Bhagavad Gita telling me how work in devotional service is better than mere renunciation. What is this? Just like uh, Prabhupada, once there were two sannyasis in Vrindavan and Prabhupada told one of them, you should leave Vrindavan and travel. Don't stay more than three days in any place. And then he turned to another sannyasi and told him, you should never leave Vrindavan. You should just stay here. And the other, to one sannyasi was saying, your real sannyas life, traveling, preaching, don't, don't stay in one place. And to another sannyasi he told him, you just stay here. Don't leave. Don't go. So, and, uh, same way. You just said the real sannyas life is to uh, always travel and preach. And then just immediately afterwards to another sannyasi, you're telling him, just stay here. Manage this temple. 
So Prabhupada said, yes. And devotees understood that the real sannyas is to give up one's own ideas and follow the instruction of the spiritual master. That is the real, that is what's really required. One time, one sannyasi came to Prabhupada and he was, he was a professional dancer and he was performing dramas and they had women in the dance team and he was performing this and this is what was reported in Back to Godhead. So he said to Prabhupada, how can I do this? As a son, then he took, he was given sannyas and he said, well Prabhupada, I have to stop this. Prabhupada said, no, no, you go on. He said, how can I as a sannyas? Prabhupada said, that is your sannyas. Difficult to understand. <laughs> so anyway, the point is that although Krishna apparently told something different, the, the conclusion, the practical application to Arjuna and the practical application to Uddhava appeared to be different, but actually it was the same because it was, in either case it was doing, they were told to perform a particular function, a particular devotional service to follow Krishna's instruction. What Arjuna needed, what Krishna needed Arjuna to do at the time of the battle of Kurukshetra was different to what he told or what he needed Uddhava to do at the, after the battle of Kurukshetra. There was a different function to be performed. That's why we have to be very careful when we take, you see Prabhupada may have told someone to do something in a certain time and place and circumstance. And sometimes devotees, they pull out the letters, you see Prabhupada told this, this, but it's not necessarily any instruction that Prabhupada gives in the letter is not necessarily applicable to every devotee in every time and place and circumstance or in a letter or in conversation or whatever. And even what Prabhupada writes in his books, it has to be understood within context. What actually is, what instruction are we being given here? Just like for instance, we find in the description of the uh, Brahmachari, the, the classic Brahmachari given, Narad Muni described in seventh canto, so it's described how the Brahmachari, he wears uh, just this, this uh, little, what is that, some deer skin and some mekala, some belt and some stick. He has a stick and he goes begging like this. And, but that's, if we think, well, that's Bhagavatam and Prabhupada gave it to us, then we should all be like that. But no, Prabhupada dressed his sannyasis in, not in this deer skin and, and this stick and all these. He didn't get He gave saffron cloth, which that's also traditionally brahmacharis don't wear saffron cloth. They wear white. So, how are we to understand? Prabhupada's writing one thing and he did some, he gave some other instruction. In other case, it may be that he allowed devotees to do a certain thing, just that we turned out the drama truth. So, Prabhupada allowed the men and women would together act in the drama. But then on another occasion, he told that when men and women were acting together, he told, actually it's better if it's all men and not women. So, what, how are we to understand? You know, Prabhupada allowed certain things, encouraged some devotees on one hand, that men and women should be together in the drama. On another occasion, he told actually not. It's better only men. So these can become very controversial points. Because Prabhupada said something in one place, one time, place and circumstance, and then something, allowed something else in another time, place and circumstance, and then we have to see what the tradition is and 
how much that tradition is relevant and what shastras and so many things. It may be difficult to ascertain. It may not be so straightforward exactly how the order of the spiritual master is to be applied in every time, place and circumstance. Uh, Krishna, he advised, or he not advised, he told Arjuna, you do one thing in one time, place and circumstance. He told Uddhava something apparently diametrically opposite. But the, the point is that they were given an order by the Lord and they had to execute them. The conclusion of these, of the same knowledge is the same in as much as they had to, they were given an order to follow. In neither case was it easy. It wasn't going to be like easy for Arjuna to fight and kill his relatives. For Arjuna to fight, that's no problem. Spend his, spend his whole life fighting. That's what Kshatriyas do. Kshatriyas, they like to fight. But, uh, for him it wasn't going to be easy to fight against Gurunga Hatvahi Mahanubhava to to uh, fight against his gurus. Great, they, they were not only just his gurus. They weren't just not his gurus. But in any in any consideration, they were great personalities. Especially Bhishma and Drona. They were very great personalities. So to fight against them wasn't going to be easy for Arjuna. But because Krishna told him, you should do this. This is my desire. Then he did so. Also for Uddhava, it wasn't going to be easy for him just to leave and go to Badrik Ashram, to leave his family, friends, home, everything else. And moreover, he had to leave the Lord himself. Krishna was sending him away, go away. Of course, he didn't know that the Lord's departure pastimes were coming up. So, uh, it wasn't going to be easy for Uddhava. But they, both of them, agreed to do so because it is the order of the Lord. That is the point, that if the Lord gives a particular order to a particular devotee, then... The, the conclusion of all philosophy, the philosophy that the Lord has spoken in Bhagavad Gita, in Anu Gita, in Uddhav Gita, and in so many places we find in Bhagavatam the Lord is instructing, He, ins, he instructs, uh, we find there are so many sages who uh, come to visit Him at the Rajasuya sacrifice, and He instructs them, He instructs Muchukunda, he instructs Shutadev, he instructs Akrura, he instructs Brahma, he gives so many instructions to so many devotees. So, the Lord is always giving instructions, but the conclusion of all of them is not merely some theoretical, philosophical theory, but the conclusion is that one should follow the order of the Lord. Now, because the Lord is not personally present. He's personally present, but because we don't have direct contact with him due to maya javani kapchanam agyad hoksajamabhyayam because he is covered to us by his illusory covering potency. Therefore, we cannot directly perceive him. Therefore, we are enjoined to uh, approach a guru who is uh, as good as the Lord, means he has understood the purpose of the Lord and knows how to instruct to fulfill the order of the Lord. So, hearing from a uh, bona fide guru is supposed to be as good as hearing from the Lord directly himself, both in the matter of hearing the philosophy and in the practical application of that. 
that there will be some specific instruction. Just like the Lord gave a specific instruction to Arjuna, fight. Specific instruction to Uddhava, go to Bhadrikashram. So hearing from a guru means that we take the same, we hear the same knowledge as Krishna spoke to Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita, as he spoke to Uddhava in Uddhava Gita. And just like uh, Arjuna, in the course of hearing from Krishna, he had various questions. He didn't understand exactly what Krishna was saying. He couldn't catch the point immediately. So Krishna, therefore Arjuna was asking questions. He asked so many questions which gave an impetus to Krishna to explain the same knowledge in more detail until Arjuna's doubts were completely cleared. And then on the basis of knowledge, he was ready to follow whatever Krishna told to him. So in the same way, uh, in the course of hearing spiritual knowledge, one may have so many doubts or not fully understand, and one is enjoined to hear. One should approach uh, one's guru and ask, what is this? Try to understand. What is this point? How are we to understand it? And the guru will uh, clear that doubt. He will explain. And then uh, he will also give some certain instructions. What should one do? How should one act? How should one deal with this situation? What is the order of the law? If one gets a particular order from one's guru, that is very fortunate. If one has a particular order that you should uh, get some particular instruction. And if one simply tries to fulfill that instruction, and then uh, just like Arjuna, just like Uddhava, he is very, he'll be particularly blessed by the Lord to fulfill that, uh, what may be a very difficult instruction, because everyone has the general instruction, one should rise early, chant, minimum 16 rounds, follow these four regulated principles. But one, if one is given a particular instruction by the Lord or by his bona fide representative, then that is, uh, that is very fortunate for him, that he has the focus, he can focus his life on how I should, in my life, I should practically apply this knowledge that has been uh, received, that, that now I've been instructed, then how should I practically, personally apply this in my life? So, you see, just like Prabhupada gave certain particular instructions to certain devotees. One devotee told, you go and preach in Turkey. That wasn't very easy. It still isn't easy. And then to others, he told, yes, you go. You, you build an empire of Krishna consciousness. He told Prabhupada Maharaj that you British, you built an empire. So you build an empire of Krishna consciousness. And he specifically gave him blessings. We're going to Bangladesh and Nepal. When, when he went to Bangladesh, Prabhupada Maharaj approached Prabhupada and Prabhupada, yes, bless, take my garland. And then again, he came later and said, now we started the mission in Bangladesh. Now I'd like, there's no preaching in Nepal, I'd like to go to Nepal. Prabhupada said, yes, gave him his garland. Then after Prabhupada had passed away, Prabhupada, this uh, Prabhupada Maharaj was discussing with Bhakti Nandan Maharaj, who's from Malaysia. They were sitting outside Prabhupada Samadhi. And they were discussing how we should go to Malaysia and start the preaching there. And then, just at that point, the Pujari came, took the garland from Prabhupada and gave it to Prabhupada So again, he got Prabhupada's blessing for that. So if one has a particular instruction, he's very fortunate. 
And then the other side of it is that if our Acharya has given certain instructions, then different devotees, they may have different understandings of how to apply that. So, how should this be resolved? Well, we find that in traditional <coughs> Vedic Sampradayas or bona fide Sampradayas, then uh, if there's no one Acharya who everyone can look up to, that they'll, those who are learned, and not only learned, but whose character is impeccable, then they will come together and they will discuss and they will come to a conclusion and that is to be accepted. If there's any point of philosophy or practical direction, then uh, they'll all come together and they'll discuss all the different points. It can be very detailed and complex. We see that on philosophical issues, even great sampradayas have become split over different understanding. So we find at the present time in our ISKCON also there are so many controversies coming out one after another on what it means to follow Srila Prabhupada. Different, basically everyone in ISKCON at least theoretically they give, they give lip service to following Srila Prabhupada. At least everyone agrees on that principle, more or less. But then what it means to follow him, that may be difficult to understand. Exactly what is the best way to follow him? Because we are presenting Krishna consciousness, the philosophy of Krishna consciousness is to be applied in practical life. How exactly that should be applied in each circumstance may not be very easy to understand. Arjuna, before he heard from Krishna, probably wouldn't have guessed that Krishna would philosophically justify him fighting with his kinsmen and his gurus. I mean, how could you philosophically justify that? It doesn't seem possible. As far as Arjuna was concerned, it was, a, it was clear that he shouldn't be... He knew that it was his dharma to fight, but to fight with his, with his great gurus and his, the very person who taught him how to fight, and now he's going to use that knowledge to fight and kill him. Or the very grandfather who protected them since their very childhood and now he's going to fight and kill him. And the, the end result is just the whole, the whole society is going to be spoiled because there are going to be no men to protect the women. So it seemed like to Arjuna it was, it was a clear case. I mean there's no, there's no justification for this. I, sh I just shouldn't fight. But after hearing Krishna he understood, oh yeah, I should fight. Before hearing from Krishna, he couldn't imagine how is it possible to justify him fighting. But after hearing from Krishna, he, with full enthusiasm, you can't fight with half enthusiasm. You can chant your rounds with half enthusiasm. But if you fight with half enthusiasm, you won't be fighting for very long because you'll be dead. You have to, it's all or nothing. When you're fighting, it's, you're either fully fighting, Oh, there's, there's no, you know, finished very quickly. If you think, you know, well, you know, I just kind of half-heartedly fight, then you don't have it, then your heart is finished, because it's full of arrows, finished. So, Arjuna, with full enthusiasm, went into the battle being convinced by Krishna. So, uh, like I was saying, now in our ISKCON, we're seeing the different controversies on various issues, and Everyone's quoting Prabhupada, what he did, what he said, 
exactly how to ascertain it. It may be very difficult, especially because Prabhupada, he preached Krishna consciousness in a world in which there was no Vedic culture. So Prabhupada, he made various adjustments to preach in the Western countries. Although he made it clear that the real culture is Vedic culture. So now the controversy is coming up that, well, should we, should we make various adjustments just like having women temple presidents and GBCs? Well, it's already done. The GBC have already decided for us without discussing with any of us. They decided that we should have women GBCs and temple presidents. So now the GBCs sit around for days on end talking to women because they're on the GBC. And so it does appear to be somewhat opposite to traditional sannyas dharma, but anyway it's considered that, you know, this is for the modern world we have to do and in the, in the modern life we have to adjust because the whole society has changed. Of course Prabhupada didn't have much good to say about modern life or modern society, but he did make some adjustments to it, so the controversy is going on like this. And both are quoting Prabhupada and quoting, both sides are quoting Prabhupada and quoting Shastra like this. So here's an example how the same philosophy may be applied quite differently in different circumstances. The Arjuna don't renounce, fight. And Uddhava renounce. Both on the instruction of Krishna. Both are meant to fulfill the same purpose. Krishna comes with the purpose of Paritranaya Sadhanam Vinashayata Dishkutam, Dharma Sanstapana, of establishing Dharma in this world. So both are meant for the same purpose. But what, what exactly a particular person should do and what particular course should be undertaken, that may be difficult to understand. Because the ways of dharma. When we say dharma, we're talking about the practical application of spiritual knowledge in human society. So, that is very subtle. Exactly how it should be applied in each case is very difficult to understand. Just like Draupadi, she's revered as uh, one of the greatest women in history. She had five husbands. That's not very dharmic. <laughs> How we, would you like your wife to marry another four husbands, any married man? You ask them. That one day the wife comes home and says that, well, actually, I'm going to marry again. Draupadi did. Well, that's, that's against Dharma. The uh, Drupad Maharaj, when it was proposed to him that Actually, uh, Arjun won the Arjun won the prize, which is Draupadi. But the thing is that the elder brother should get married first. So they said, "Okay, well, Yudhishthir can marry. Doesn't you know? So it's okay." He said, "Actually, we're all going to marry." I said, "That's not possible. We never heard of such a thing. It's against the rules of dharma." And then Yudhishthir said, "Well, I think it's okay." And whatever I think is okay, because my mind never goes away from dharma. And then Vyasadeva came and Vyasadeva himself had to come and explain 
but he took him away secretly and said, well, actually there's a whole story behind this, you know. In her previous life, she couldn't get a husband, and she was performing, even though she was very qualified, somehow or other she couldn't get a husband, and then she was praying to Lord Shiva, and then Lord Shiva appeared, and she said to him, I want to have a husband, 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 I want to have a husband. She was so anxious, she said it five times. She said, okay. You said it five times, so you can have five husbands. Ah, I didn't mean it. So, that was the background. So it was already preordained. So that may seem to be adharmic. But in this particular case, it was according to dharma. Because it was a boon from Lord Shiva, and it was especially meant that she should take five husbands. It's not something to be followed in every case. What was dharmic for Draupadi, for any other woman, would be the worst adharma. So how exactly to understand? Very difficult to ascertain. Therefore, dharmohiteshamadiko vishesh. No, that's the wrong word. What is it? Dharmam dusakshan bhagavan. That's the wrong word also. Mahajana uyena gata What is it? What's the line before that? Ah, ah. Shuti avi binnan asam rishya yasya matang nabinnan tarnasya tatvang nihitam guhayam mahajana yena gata sapanta. Therefore, we should the, to understand the tattva of dharma, to understand the what is the actually dharma, and not in each given circumstance. It may be very difficult to understand. Therefore, we should follow the path of the Mahajana, Find out who actually understands, who can actually give us proper advice, and take that. So, Hare Krishna. I hope that didn't leave everyone wondering. What should we do? In most circumstances, it's clear what to do. But in some circumstances, it may not be. Just like this uh, Harikesh Swami at the time. He's, he was told by Prabhupada, go to Russia to preach. And he was giving so many excuses. Well, what can you do? It's too dangerous, this, that and the other. And for whatever excuse, Prabhupada cut it down. And in the end, he said, there's nothing there to eat but meat. And Prabhupada said, then you eat meat, but you go there and preach. So, as you do it, then if instead of going to Russia, he went to New York and there ate meat, that wouldn't be very proper. Prabhupada told me to eat meat. In that circumstance, if it was necessary, which it wasn't actually, because you could get at least something apart from meat to eat, not much else. If necessary, Prabhupada is making the point that the highest dharma is to preach Krishna consciousness. And if it's necessary to break certain other lower principles, although generally one should never eat meat, but if necessary to fulfill that principle, one may break the lower principle. Just like one time, Srila Bhaktisthan Saraswati Thakur, he, the governor of Bengal, came to Mayapur, Britishman, of course, and a British, so for their food, he arranged with the Calcutta Hotel, he arranged meat in Mayapur. So, one of his sannyasis protested, that, well, this will give us a bad name. And he said, you don't worry about this. I already considered this thousands of lifetimes ago. How I should preach in this circumstance. So, this kind of thing, if it's, if it's what appears to be a severe transgression of dharma, for the, of a lower dharma to fulfill a higher dharma, that will generally be done by very, only on the order of very great personalities. Not generally. 
if someone thinks, well, I'll eat meat or it's a high, I have to do, generally only, this kind of thing should only be on the order of very great personalities, not otherwise. Some minor things may be adjusted, but major things, then we have to be very careful. Maharaj. Krishna and Vrindavan is different to surrendering to Krishna? Yes. The basic principle isn't different. The basic principle is that one manmanabhavamadvaktu, one should always think of Krishna, be his devotee and act only for the pleasure of Krishna. So that is manifested. There's a difference in mood between Vrindavan and Dwarka, but the basic principle is the same. Yeah, that principle is the same, but I say that mainly Krishna are the rule of the world. Like after my function, we have to fight. Yeah. That is right. What I have to say that, of course, 